and uh, really be a faithful crowd to church tonight. And Lord, as we uh, look at this passage tonight, as we continue our study in the life of Joseph, Father, I ask that you just please help us uh, to be able to learn something from, from this chapter, from this text, from Joseph's life, such a great character in the Bible. We love you, Lord, in your precious name I pray. Amen. Alright, well we're there in Genesis chapter number 40, and we're continuing uh, through the, the life of Joseph, as we've been studying life of Joseph the last uh, few Sunday nights here. And if you look at verse number 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers, and against the chief of the bakers. So I want you to understand uh, the, the story there, what's happening Pharaoh, you know, he has these, these workers, this chief butler and the baker, and they offended him, and he, the Bible says he cast them into uh, prison, cast them into the dungeon, look at verse 3, and he put them in the ward, in the house of the captain of the guard, into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. So this is the, where Joseph was bound, this is where the prison where Pharaoh, and, uh, you know, would keep his prisoners. So this wasn't just a normal prison, it was uh, a prison where if you did something against Pharaoh, or if you were a worker of Pharaoh, something like that, they would throw these people into this prison. It's not by coincidence that, that Joseph ended up here. Joseph ended up here because he was bought by Potiphar, who was the captain of the guard of, of, of Pharaoh, if you remember from the previous chapter. So God is bringing Joseph to the right place at the right time. He's not there by coincidence. But I'd like you to see, it's very interesting, if you look at verse 4, the Bible says, And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. So the captain of, of the guard there, who's in charge of the prison, gets these two new uh, prisoners, the chief butler and the chief baker, and he goes to Joseph and he charged Joseph with them. So he put these men under the charge or under the authority or under the care of Joseph. They were supposed to, you know, answer to Joseph and Joseph was in charge of these two men. And he served them, and they continued a season in war. Now it's interesting because Joseph is a prisoner himself. But Joseph being a prisoner has actually gone up through the ranks of authority somehow to the point where he's actually kind of running the prison and the, the guards of the prison there are allowing him. Could you imagine if we had pr a prison guards who are allowing prisoners right now in prison, you know, uh, to run the, the jail? But that's the type of man that Joseph was. He was of such integrity, and he was of such ability, and he had such character that they actually took him as a prisoner and said, Hey, we understand you are a prisoner. We understand you are here because you've been accused of a crime. But we're actually going to put you in charge. And these two men, the chief butler and the baker, they're going to have to answer to you, Joseph. Now, it's interesting that everywhere that Joseph went, he found himself being given authority. He found himself being a very successful in business. Very success. He always found himself going up the corporate ladder, if you will. He always found himself, you know, being having prosperity. And you answer, you know, why is that? And and why, why is it that everywhere that Joseph went, he was he was always being successful? Look at go back to Genesis thirty nine. Look at verse number two. Genesis thirty nine. Look at verse number two. Do you remember when Joseph? Well, actually, let's start at verse one. Genesis thirty nine one. Remember when Joseph was uh, sold into slavery? The Bible says in Genesis 3, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him. <clears throat> okay, so he purchased him as a slave 
of the hands of the Ishmaelites which had brought him down hither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand, and it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in the house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field, and he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. Notice what he's saying. Potiphar left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat, and Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. The Bible says that Potiphar purchased Joseph as a slave, and after a while, it became so apparent that the Lord was with Joseph, and that God's hand was upon Joseph's life, that... Potiphar actually made Joseph second in command of his entire household there. And the Bible says that Potiphar didn't even know what he had. He didn't even know how business was going. He didn't know how much money was in the bank account. He, all he knew was what he had to eat. That's it. Joseph was in charge of everything else. And Joseph was the type of young man that anywhere he went, even as a slave, he was just brought up as uh, an authority figure. He was given authority. He was given... I mean, he was bought as a slave for Potiphar, and now he's running Potiphar's house. Look at verse... Uh, go, go down to Genesis 39, look at verse 23. Later on, when they lie about Joseph, when they accuse him falsely, and they cast him into prison, look at verse 23, the Bible says, The keepers of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand. Because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. So there we see that at the ending of the chapter, the Bible tells us when he cast the prison, the keeper of the prison didn't even look to anything. He said, Joseph, you run the place. Because everything you do, the Lord allows it to prosper. Everything you do, the Lord gives you success. Everything you do, you seem to be able to just take care of it, you know. And Joseph is very interesting. A very prosperous man, a very successful man. Everywhere he went, people were putting him in authority and saying, here, you run it. You can do better with it. God's going to prosper you. God's going to bless you. And, and you got to ask this question. Why? Why was Joseph so prosperous? Why was he so successful? And I think you can find uh, the, the answer to that question and actually in verse 22 of chapter 39. Look at verse 22 of Genesis 39. The Bible says, And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And look at what it says. I think here's the key to Joseph's success. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. Do you see that? The Bible says that anything that got done in that prison got done because Joseph did it. Anything that was accomplished was accomplished because Joseph accomplished it. Anything that was you know, done there, the Bible says whatever they did, it, whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. You want to know what the secret to Joseph's success is? And if you'd like to know what the secret to success in life, if you want to know what the, you say, you know, I'd like to go up in, in authority in, in my job. I'd like to go up the corporate ladder. I'd like to maybe start a business and be successful. Or I'd like to be, a, you know, successful uh, uh, parent, successful mother, successful father. You want to be a successful pastor, a preacher, whatever. You know, at your job, you, you, you say, I'd like to be successful in my life. I'd like to be prosperous. I'd like God to bless me. I'd like to, to, to bring people to look at me and say, wow, you know, that person, you know, they can lead and they can do and they can, you know, what's the secret to that? 
Is it the power of positive thinking? Is it getting, you know, these self-help books that are going to teach you? And there's nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with trying to better yourself. Obviously, we can read and learn. But what is it? Here's the key to success. And here's why most people are not successful. Here's why. Joseph was a hard worker. Period. End of story. The Bible says, whatsoever they did, there, there he was the doer of it. No matter where Joseph went, if he was a slave, he was going to get to work. If he was in the prison, he was going to get to work. Wherever he was, he just wanted to work. He was a hard worker. And therefore, he was successful. That's the secret to success. You know, and the, and the reason that in America, we have a lack of prosperous and successful people is because we've... We've raised the generation, and I, and I preach on this a lot, I understand that, but it's, you know, in the passage, it jumps out to me. But we've raised a generation of lazy people in our country who do not want to work. I mean, if there's a place to not work, wouldn't prison be it? Especially if you're there because you didn't do, you know, you didn't do anything, they lied about you. I mean, Joseph would be justified to go to prison and say, I'm not doing anything. I'm, I don't even belong here. They lied about me. But yet Joseph just said, you know what? If this is my lot in life, if this is where I'm supposed to be, then I'm going to get to work. He said, I'm going to keep myself busy. You know, and you got to ask yourself, well, I wonder why Joseph was such a hard worker. Go, go back with me to Genesis 31. And he said, why was Joseph such a hard worker? Are, just, are some people, you know, some people ask this question. Some people say, you know, some people are just made to be successful. Some people are just made to make money. You know, some people are just going to be successful. It doesn't matter what they do, you know, they're just going to be rich. They're just going to be millionaires. I mean, I've heard people, I've heard, I've heard stories of people who made millions of dollars, lost it all, and then made millions of dollars again. I mean, they made millions, of, you know, they, they built enterprises and corporations multiple times in their lifetime. You say, well, well, you know, do they just have some sort of a gene that kind of makes them successful and, and none of us else have that? No, here's the, here's the secret. They work hard. Period. That's the secret. You say, well, why was Joseph successful? Well, here's why I believe Joseph was successful, uh, was a hard worker. He was probably a hard worker because he was trained to be a hard worker from a child. Because Joseph, the Bible tells us, had a hard-working dad. Do you remember Joseph's dad, Jacob? Look at Genesis 31. Look at verse 40. Do you remember when Joseph, when Jacob became a very wealthy person? Notice what, what Jacob says about how he became wealthy in Genesis 31:40. The Bible says, Thus I was. This is Jacob speaking, Joseph's dad. In the day the drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from mine eyes. Joseph, when, when Jacob was talking about how he made money, how he became successful, he said, Here's how I did it. And the day the drought consumed me. He said, all day long, I just worked hard. I was, I was thirsty. I, I, I didn't even have time to go get a glass of water. I, I was just consumed with the drought and, the, and frost by night. And my sleep departed from my night. He said, I didn't sleep much. I just worked hard. And, and let me tell you something. And we're not going to go into, you know, we preached on the life of Jacob already. But the Bible is very clear that Jacob had his sons out there working with him. And I'm sure he had little Joseph out there working with him. And from a very young age, Jacob instilled a work ethic in his son. And we see that carry on, even as a 17, 18, 20, 21 year old man. We see Joseph everywhere he goes, just working hard, working hard, working hard, making himself busy, not being lazy. That's the secret to success. That's it. And, and you know, we, we need to be careful not to raise lazy children. Because a lazy child will make a lazy adult. And a lazy adult is going to be a burden on society. They're not going to be successful. They're not going to be prosperous. They're not going to be productive. The Bible says that, that uh, Joseph was a very productive young man. 
He said, whatsoever they did there, He was the doer of it. You know, and these kids we got in this church right now, you guys need to, you know, just figure this out right now, even at a young age. You better, you want to be successful in life? You want to make something out of yourself? You want to, you know, not have to depend on people to help you out and do, you know, and obviously we all need help at some point, but you want to be, you know, do something with your life? Here's how you're going to do it. Work hard. Whatever you do, do it with your might. Do it for the Lord. You know, and, when, and you say, well, I'd like to just be a wife. You know, it's how it works to be a mother. Ask my wife. Try being, uh, Five weeks pregnant, <laughs> tired all the time, and still, and you, you still got to homeschool those kids. You still got to take care of those kids. Those kids don't care. They're, they're still hungry. They still get up at six in the morning, you know, wanting oatmeal <laughs> and all, you know, whatever all the things she makes for breakfast. You know what I mean? It's hard work, but that's the that's our lot in life. Go go with me to Proverbs chapter number uh, six, and you know, one thing that I find so amazing about Joseph that just stands out of my is just he's industrious. He's a hard hard worker. And guess what? You think that being the second man in charge of Potiphar's house maybe helped train him to be the second man in charge of the nation of Egypt? That was the most powerful nation in the world? I think all that helped. And, and it comes down to this. Why did he have those opportunities? Why did he have the opportunity to meet the butler and the baker, who, by the way, was his ticket out of the prison? We'll get into that later on, you know, next week. But that's why he got out of prison, was because of the butler and the baker. Why did he have that opportunity? Because he was a hard worker. See, if Joseph would have showed up to prison and said, I ain't doing nothing, they wouldn't have put him in charge of the butler and the baker. He would have never met the butler and the baker. He would have spent the rest of his life in prison. So every opportunity we have to work hard gives us another opportunity. That's how it works. Look, look at Proverbs 6, 6. Look at verse 9. Proverbs chapter number 6. Look at verse 9. This, these principles are found very much throughout the scripture. I'll just show you one example. The Bible says, How long wilt thou sleep? Oh, sluggard. Sleep. Don't we all love sleep? Sleep is the enemy of hard work. Laziness is the enemy of hard work. The Bible says, How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? Wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Look what he says. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. He says, You want to sleep? Look at verse 11. Here's what's going to happen. Hey kids, you want to you wanna just sleep all day? Just not work? Just get up at noon? Just do not... Look what, look what the Bible says. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an army. You want to know why some people just... You know, we live in America, a nation of opportunity, a nation where anybody can make anything of themselves. You want to know why some people live in poverty and some people don't? Here, and, and obviously, you know, I'm not talking about 100%. Sometimes people get, you know, just get a... You know, things happen. We understand that. But the vast majority of, of people who live in poverty, the Bible tells us, it's because they're lazy. It's because they sleep. It's because they don't get to work. And I'm going to instill this in these kids, especially, hey, get to work. You got to be hard. Even as a child, get to work. You know, I, I think it's funny. My dad, my dad's here. And uh, my wife and I were talking about this. It was the same way with her growing up. But you know, when I was a kid growing up, you know, we went to school. I love these holidays. Veterans Day, uh, Columbus Day, President's Day, you know, uh, th those type of holidays. Here are the holidays I did not like. Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. You're like, well, why is that? Well, here's the thing. All those minor holidays, you know, they're just the federal holidays that you get off of school. Columbus Day, uh, you know, President's Day, Veterans Day, Memorial Day. 
I love those days off because my dad had to work on those days. Uh, my dad's uh, he's like learning this for the first time. But you know why I did not like Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's? Because he had the day off. And when I had the day off and he had the day off, that meant I didn't have a day off. Because we had to wake up early and he put us to work. You know, but on President's Day, he was at work all day. We slept, we watched TV. My dad was home, get up, mow the lawn, gotta work, gotta paint the dish. We painted that last week. Well, let's paint it again. You know, and he just put us to work. Why? Because he didn't want to raise lazy kids. And I pray, and I thank the Lord, and you know, I'm not rich or except or anything, but I thank God that today I can look at my life and say, you know what? I'm not lazy. I like to sleep, but I also like to eat. <laughs> and I've got a wife and kids who like to eat. You know, we gotta, we gotta get to, you know, we gotta raise our kids. And we gotta, you know, don't, I, I, you know, don't let your kids sleep in on the weekends till noon. Good night. Get them up. God help you. Get them up and make, you say, well, they mowed the lawn last week. Well, make them raise the lead. Just find something for them to do. Put them to work. Because that work ethic, you instill it in a young child like Joseph. And you don't know what's gonna happen. They're gonna just learn, they're just gonna keep themselves busy. But you train them now to be lazy. You train them now to sleep a lot. You train them now to just not like working. They're going to be a 21, 22, 31, 32, 41, 42 year old who just doesn't like to work, wants to sleep all day, and they'll just never accomplish anything with their life. And that's the truth. You say, oh, Joseph was just built that way. He was just built to be successful. You know that the people who are the most wealthy in this world are the ones who sleep the the least? That's true. The people who make the most money in this country work the most hours. That's the truth. Benjamin Franklin said this. You've you heard of Benjamin Franklin? Pretty prominent figure in our nation, right? He, he has a famous quote. Here's what he said. Early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. And that's the truth. Let me quote that again. That's a good quote right there. Early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. But when we raise a generation of sluggards, then we wonder, well, why is America's economy not prospering? You know, and obviously we understand there's different th- things that go into that. But look, we ought to be industrious. We ought to be hard workers. We ought to, we ought to find things to do. We ought to find things to work. We ought to get to work, you know, and, 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 and love work and enjoy work. Because when you work hard, you feel accomplished. You feel like you did something. And, and, and that's why I believe Joseph was a very successful young man. Because, I mean, it's, it's very interesting... Whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. Wouldn't it be good if, if you went to work? You know, when I was in the, in the Air Force, they, they would give us an EPR. You know, every year they give us a little review. Of how it, wouldn't it be good if you got a, you know, and, and I know a different job. Too. Wouldn't it be good if you went to work and at your job they gave you a review and here's what it said about you? Whatsoever they did, he was the doer of it. They just said, everything, any, everything that got done this year, you did it. Wouldn't that be good? And that'd be a good testimony of your work ethic. But that's why, that's why Joseph was successful. That's why a prisoner was given authority over other prisoners. Could you imagine that? That's what happened. Why? Because he, oh, he was just built that way. He just had a special gene and, and nobody else could be that. No, 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 no. He's just a hard worker. He just learned to work hard at a young age. He just got to work. Even if the situation wasn't nice, even if it wasn't good, he just got to work. But look at verse... Let's move on from that. Look at verse number 5. The Bible says this, and they dreamed a dream, talking about the butler and the baker. Both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning, and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. 
And he asked Pharaoh's officer that were with him in the ward of his lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. Now, it's very interesting there, because we see the unbelievers' view of problems. Notice, they had this problem, the, the, the baker and the butler. And you can see there in Genesis chapter 40 and verse 8 that the, he says, well, actually look at verse uh, 6. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. So he looks at them, they're very sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? And they said unto him, very, very interesting, look at verse 8. We have dreamed a dream, notice what it says, and there is no interpreter of it. Now we know that there is an interpreter of it. We know that dreams, you know, that the interpretation of dreams belong to God. But they, it's very interesting, unbelievers have this mentality that they've got a problem and no one can solve it. No one can help them. They, they say, well, you know, why are you that? We have this dream and, and there is no, and I mean, they're just saying, you know, with, with complete authority, there is absolutely no one that can help. There is no interpreter of it at all. And this is what unbelievers think. Unsaved people, you talk to them and they have some issue and they're like, I've got no one can help me. No, hey, that's why people commit suicide. They literally think no one can help them with their problems. But look at, look at what, what Joseph said. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? And he, I, I like how he forms it as a question. He's like, wait a minute. I thought interpretations of dreams belong to God. You know what he was saying? This is what he was saying. He was saying, God can help you. He's saying, you think no one can help you. But I can t- I'm here to tell you, God can help you with your problems. Unbelievers' view of, of problems is that, oh, well, nobody can help me. But it's very interesting because if you look at verse, uh, look at verse number 8 again. And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God. And look what he says. The next three verses he says, Tell me them. So this is what he's saying. He's saying, God can help you, but He can use me to help you. Now it's an interesting thing here, because Joseph, if you remember, is a prisoner. Joseph has been lied about. Joseph has been sold into slavery. Joseph's life is a mess. Granted, not of his own doing, but it is completely a mess. I mean, if anybody needs help, Joseph needs help. But here's what I find interesting, is that Joseph is helping others when he is in the need of help. You see what I'm saying? Joseph is in touch and in sync with these people. He says, he, he, know, he immediately notices that they were sad. You know, Joseph could have been throwing a pity party for himself. And, I don't belong here. I don't deserve to be in prison. If anybody deserves, what are you so sad about? If anybody deserves to be sad, it's me. I didn't even do anything. But that wasn't Joseph's character. He noticed them. He said, he said wherefore look you so sadly today? You know, he was in touch, and, that, and it's, a beautiful, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful picture there. You don't have to turn there. Let me read a verse for you. In Hebrews, chapter number 4, do you remember we talked about before how Joseph was a type of Jesus Christ? And, lots of, and we can see Jesus Christ through the life of Joseph uh, very much there. And in Hebrews, chapter number 4, and verse 15, the Bible says this about Jesus. For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, 
but was in all points tempted like as we, yet without sin. And you know, we see there that Joseph was like Jesus Christ in the fact that the Bible says that he was, he, he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He felt the same things they felt. And he looked at them and he said, man, they're sad. And, and, and they're struggling with something. And they're in prison. And he said, I'm sad and I'm struggling with them. And I'm in prison. But he, but he looked at them and he had compassion on them. And, and, he, and he cared about them. And he said, you know, uh, and he's asking about, you know, what, what's wrong and why are you feeling like this? They were sad. He was asking about it. But here, here's the interesting thing. He says, tell me them. Now here, most of us would think this. Joseph, what are you doing? Just, you need somebody to help you, Joseph. You need somebody to come in and, and, and encourage you. Why are you trying to encourage them? But here's what you've got to learn about Joseph. And here's what you've got to learn about life. If you wait to have all your little ducks in, the ro- in a row before you're going to try to help someone, you will never help anyone. That's the truth. If you, you, you know, sometimes people say to me, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm into that sewing so, thing. You know, we're talking about that sewing. I'd like to do that. I'm just going to, I'm just going to wait uh, to, to wait. You know, I'm just going to wait till I mature a little bit. I'm going to try to get my life uh, straight a little bit, and, I, and then I want to go out there and I want to help minister to people. If you're going to wait to get your life right, to get your life straight, to make sure all your loose ends are you're tied up and everything's good, you will never help anyone. You will never do anything for anyone. You will never minister to anyone. You will never be a blessing to anybody. Because look. Church is this, a bunch of sinners helping other sinners. And while you're waiting to be helped by God, while you're waiting to be you know, used by God, while you're waiting for someone to come over and encourage you and help you and bless you, why don't you make yourself available to encourage someone and help someone and minister to someone. And that's what Joseph was doing in the time of his life, at the lowest part of his life, when he needed encouragement and he needed help and he needed someone to minister to him, he said, I'm going to make myself available and minister to someone else. That's the difference between Joseph's. That's the difference between people that walk through trials in life with their head up and saying, I love God and I love life, and those who walk through life with their head down, depressed and sad. He said, you know what? I'm not going to let this situation get me down. I'm going to get to work, which by the way, you know, no, you know, nothing feels better than coming home after a long day of work, laying down in bed. You know, sometimes I get home at midnight. After, uh, you know, working from 8 a.m., come home, have lunch real quick, go off to some city in Northern California somewhere, do work all day, get home at midnight, kids already in bed, kiss my wife, get into bed, and you know, you, and you think to yourself, oh, you know, isn't that horrible? And it is, you know, in a way, but when you lay down and you just think to yourself, man, I put in a hard day of work today. You just feel fulfillment from that. You just feel like, man, you know, but sometimes you have a day off, you just sit at home all day and do nothing. It just gets kind of depressing. Joseph fought his depression. I mean, if anybody had the right to be depressed, it was Joseph. But he just said, you know what? I'm going to get to work. And here's the other thing I'm going to do. I'm going to minister to people. I'm going to help people. I'm going to love people. I'm going to care about people. Even though I need someone to help me. And I need someone to, uh, to, to, to be with me. And look, I'm just trying to tell you right now. If you're waiting to say, well, I just got you... Pastor, I've got the, I really want to be a blessing and I want to get into this church thing and I want to get to work and I want to, you know, try to help people. But I just got these little things I got to take care of. Look, you will always have little things to take care of. You will always have things in your life spinning out of control. And by the time you get one of those things, you know, right, exactly, you know, people say, I just got to get my finances in order. You get your finances in order, then you got problems with your kids. You help your kids, then your finances are bad again. Or something else. It's just how life is. You always have something spinning out of control. 
You can't wait to say, Joseph can't wait to say, I'm going to wait till I get out of prison, get a nice little apartment somewhere, get a nice stable job, and then I'm going to help people with their problems. He just said, you know what, I'm going to make myself available now. I'm here, you're here, tell me your dream. It's very interesting, the character that Joseph had. Look at verse 9. He begins to tell them, they begin to tell him the dreams, and the Bible says, and the chief butler told his dream to Joseph, and said to him, in my dream, behold, a vine was before me. And the vine were three branches, and it was as though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said unto him, This is the interpretation of it, The three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head, and restore thee unto thy place, and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand, after the former manner, when thou wast his butler. So he says, here's my dream. I, you, know, and, and I, you know, we won't have to go through it, but he said, I saw these three branches, they brought forth grapes, I took the grapes, I crushed them in my hand, poured them in a cup, I gave it to, to Pharaoh. What does that mean? He says, look, the three branches are three days. In three days, you're going to have your job back. In three days, uh, Pharaoh's going to call and bring you out of prison, and you're going to be his butler again. And look at verse 14. After he says that to him, he makes, Joseph makes a request to the butler there. And he says, but think on me, when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me. And make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. You know, when I, when I really was studying this passage and really kind of... When I, when I read the Bible, I try to put myself in the situation. And, I, and, and as I was reading these verses, I almost began to wept. Because I realized for the first time... And I don't know if you've noticed this, but as we've been studying the, the life of, of Joseph, have you noticed that through all these heartaches, his brothers tried to kill him. They throw him in a pit. They sell him to the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites sell him into slavery. In slavery, they lie about him. And they cast him into prison after he did nothing wrong. And throughout this whole time, we've never once heard Joseph open his mouth and complain. Have you noticed that? And even now, he's not complaining. He's just asking for a favor. But for the first time, we've, we hear from Joseph's mouth that he doesn't want to be there. He do, that he doesn't like it there. He says, but think on me. When it shall be well with thee. said, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me. And make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. He, you know, you've got to keep in mind, Joseph was a young man. Just a boy. 18, 19, 20 years old. We're not exactly sure how he was, but he's just a kid. He's in this prison, hundreds of miles away from home. All he wants to do is go back home to his dad. And he's looking at this man, and he's saying, Hey, can you, can you just remember me? He makes this request. And for the first time we really hear from Joseph's mind, he's not a happy man. But you notice, he's still working hard. Still trying to bless people and minister to people. Look at verse 16. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also was in my dream, and behold, I had three white baskets on my head. So the chief baker heard that, he's like, man, that sounds good. He's going to get out of prison and get his job back? Let me tell you my dream. So he says, I had three white baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there was all manner of uh, baked meats for Pharaoh, and the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee, and shall hang thee on a tree, and the birds shall eat thy flesh from off thee. So that's not a good, that's not a good uh, you know, interpretation there. 
He tells him, hey, look, in three days, you're going to die. You're getting a death sentence. Pharaoh's going to kill you. He's going to hang you. Look at verse 20. And it came to pass, the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Look at verse 23. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. The Bible says, Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. And the Bible tells us, if you look at verse 1 of, of the next chapter, you'll see, and it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed a dream, and behold, he stood by the river. So the Bible tells us there that the chief butler forgot about Joseph, and it wasn't until two years later that something happened that made him remember Joseph. But the Bible is very clear about this. The butler forgot about Joseph. Joseph made that request. He said, hey, can, can you just, when you get out of here, can you just remember me? And can you just tell Pharaoh, I didn't do anything, I don't deserve to be here, could you please do me a favor and, and, and bring me out of this dungeon? And I'm sure the chief butler very happy. I can imagine as, as, uh, as, uh, pr- as the prison guards came to get the chief butler three days later, I can imagine maybe as, he, as the chief butler was coming out of prison there, and Joseph was maybe just following along with him on the other side of the barge, and just kind of waiting and kind of waving and saying, hey, don't forget about me, hey, when it's well with me, make sure you don't forget about me and let them know I didn't do anything and I don't deserve to be here and I don't want to be here. You know, and I can just imagine, have you, ever, have you ever purchased something and you're waiting for it to come in the mail? And it's just like every day you're just like looking in the mail and you're just like waiting for it. You know, what's that old saying? A watched, uh, yeah, watched pot never boils. Could you imagine, Joseph? Imagine every time that the prison guard came in for work, he heard those, those bars clinking. He probably thought to himself, maybe they're coming. Maybe, maybe, maybe the butler's coming, get me out of prison. You know, Days turned into weeks, and weeks turned into months, and months turned into years. How long do you think it was before Joseph realized no one's coming? A couple weeks? A couple months? Definitely after one year, he must have thought to himself, I don't think the chief butler's coming to get me. I mean, could you just think, put yourself in the life of Joseph. Put yourself in all of the things that have happened in his life to mess with his head. This guy should be in an insane asylum. This guy should be on so many medications. I mean, good night. All the stuff that he's got, that has gone, that he's gone through. How does he even go on? You know, how, how did he do it? Well, I, I'd like to show you a few things. Go with me to Proverbs chapter number thirteen. Look at verse number twelve. Proverbs chapter number thirteen. Look at verse number twelve. As Joseph sat there and just waited and said, Surely the chief butler, I interpreted his dream. I told him this was going to happen. He's going to be so thankful. He's going to come and get me. And he's going to tell the, the Pharaoh. And they're going to they're find out that I didn't do anything wrong. And that I was you know, lied about. It, and then they're going to come. And it's just day after day after day. I mean, I don't know how long it was. But at some point, Joseph had to have been sitting there. Heard the doors clinging thought to look and then realized and thought to himself, Joseph, who are you fooling? No one is coming to get you. No one is coming to help you. Look at Genesis 13, look at verse 12. Look what the Bible says. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. But when desire cometh, it is a tree of life. You know, today we've got so many people struggling with depression on so many 
antidepressants. And look, if you're on antidepressants, I don't know it. Okay, just just so you know that. You know, sometimes people I mention these things to people like you're talking about me. I I don't know that about your life. But you know, I'm sure someone here is because so many people in this country deal with anxiety and different things in their life. And, and the Bible talks about the Bible says hope deferred maketh the heart sick. When you have hope in someone, when you have your hope in a man, and that man fails you. When you have your hope in a person, and that person fails you. When you have your hope in a spouse, and that spouse fails you. When you have your hope in a pastor, and that pastor fails you. When you have hope in a parent, and that parent fails you. Whoever you put your hope in, and you say, the chief butler, surely the chief butler will remember me. Surely the chief butler is going to come and find and, and get me out of this dungeon, because I don't deserve to be here, and I don't want to be here, and I just want to go back home, and I, I just want to go see my dad. And when you get your hope on anything, or anyone, and that hope is deferred, and that hope is taken away, hey, the Bible says that maketh the heart sick. And so how 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 Joseph do it? You're there in Proverbs. Go back with me to Psalm 42. Look at verse 5. Psalm 42, look at verse 5. See, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. You say, well, how do I make sure that my heart's not sick? You've got to put your hope in something that will never be deferred. See, if your hope is in a person, a person will fail you at some point. A pastor will fail you at some point. A pastor will... Not call when he was supposed to call. Not visit when he said he was going to visit. Not pray when he said, we, we are all humans. A spouse will fail you. Your children will fail you. Human beings will fail you. But look at what the Bible says. Psalm 42, look at verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Look what he says. He says, why are you cast down, my soul? Why are you sad? Why are you discouraged? Why are you depressed? He says, and why art thou disquieted in me? Look what he says. Here's the answer. Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. How do I make sure that my hope is never deferred so that my heart is not sick? You put your hope in God because God will not fail you. God will not forget about you. God will He's always there on time at the right time. How did Joseph make it through the struggle of life? All through the all through life, all through all these things. Always has a good attitude. Always comes into slavery that I'm gonna work hard. Gets them to prison, I'm gonna work hard. I'm gonna have a good attitude. I'm not gonna complain. I'm gonna do right. Where do you derive this character from? Here's why. He had his hope in God. His trust was in God. And he may have asked the butler for a favor, but if the butler forgot about him, his hope was still in God. He understood that God is still on the throne. God is still in control. God still knows me. God still sees me. And God will do His will in my life. He said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. See, God won't fail you. I'll fail you. A pastor will fail you. God won't fail you. A spouse will fail you. God won't fail you. Your children will fail you. Your job will fail you. Your friends will fail you. God won't fail you. God will never fail you. And if, we put your, if you put your hope in God, your hope will never be deferred. And the beauty of Joseph is that we see in his life the entire time, his hope is in God. That's why they said, there is no one to interpret our dreams. He said, God can interpret it. Why? Because he was always had this relationship with God where he had a good attitude towards God. Go back to Genesis chapter number 40. Look at verse 20 again. 
Let me show you one more thing. We'll be we'll be done. Well, a few more things. I just want to make a point. Genesis 40. Look at verse 20 again. Well, actually, just look at verse 23. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forget him. Now, I'd like you keep your finger there. Obviously, we're going to come back to Genesis 40, but go with me to Galatians chapter number 5. Look at verse 1. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I'm sorry. Galatians is right before Ephesians. 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians. Chapter number 5. See, here's what happened with Joseph. Joseph and the butler, both prisoners. The butler gets freedom granted. He comes out of bondage. And he forgets about Joseph. Now, it's easy for us to say, what a dirtbag. I mean, what a bad man. He should have been there for Joseph. But look what the Bible says. Galatians chapter number 5, look at verse 1. The Bible says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Do you know that the Bible says when you got saved, before you were saved, that you were entangled in bondage? Say, I was not in bondage. I was not in prison. You were in bondage to sin. You were in bondage to your flesh. And when you got saved, the Bible says that the the Lord Jesus Christ made you free. Jesus Christ said, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And the Bible says that He gave you liberty. And He brought you up out of the bondage. And He brought you out of the prison spiritually. And He gave you liberty. And He made you free. And He gave you freedom. Just like this, uh, you know, uh, the butler here, when he was in bondage with Joseph. And he got brought out of that bondage. He was made free. But here's the sad part about the butler. He came out of bondage and he forgot about his prison mate. He forgot about those other guys, those other people that are still in bondage, that are still in prison. He said, what a bad person. What a, what a lousy friend. Why didn't he go back? Why didn't he help uh, his, his friend there, Joseph? But here's what you got to say. When you got saved, you came out of bondage, you came out of prison, and so often we as Christians forget about our friends and our neighbors and our family members who are still in that bondage. You know that there's people still in bondage today, all over the city, in bondage to sin, to drugs, to alcohol, to whatever they're dealing with, in bondage, and they're just looking for freedom, they're just looking for liberty, and you and I as Christians are, we're told to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and we've got the freedom, we, we understand that we don't have to work our way to heaven, we've been given salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and we don't have to, we're not in that bondage of the law, and that bondage of the sin, yet we forget about those people all the time, and we don't go back and we don't go back and help. And we don't go back and preach. And we don't go back and tell them. And go back and say, hey, you can be made free. This is the last passage we'll look at. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. You're there in Galatians. Just go back one book. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Look at verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Look at verse number 3. The Bible says this. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible as far as illustrating this point. The Bible says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. You know what the saddest part about a Christian who refuses to preach the gospel to other people is this, that when you're hiding that liberty, you're hiding it from the people who need it the most. See, if you don't talk to me about your salvation, it doesn't matter. I'm saved. 
I'm not going to go to hell when I die. I've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. But when you don't talk to your family member who's not saved, and you hide the gospel from them, you're hiding it from the people who need it the most because they need to hear that gospel. They need to get out of that bondage. They need to come out of that prison. They need, they need to hear it. And the Bible says, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. But the sad commentary on most Christians' life is this. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forget him. I just want to ask this question. Who are you forgetting? You know somebody. You know somebody that I may never meet. That you know they're not saved. You know they don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that they're in a false religion. You know that they're not, you know, believing in salvation by faith, without works. You know that they don't understand the gospel. And somebody's got to give them the gospel. Somebody's got to bring them out of bondage. Someone's got to bring them out of prison. Are you forgetting someone? The butler forgot Joseph. Are you forgetting someone? Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear me, Father, Lord, thank you so much for the life of Joseph. Lord, every time I read about Joseph and I study for these sermons I'm just so impressed by this young man and the character in his life the integrity that he had and Lord he just decided I'm not going to live discouraged my hope is not in man my hope is in God and he just said everywhere I go I'm going to work hard everywhere I go I'm going to help people everywhere I go I'm just going to put my hope in God God won't fail me and Lord, we know you didn't fail him. You were testing him. You were trying him. You were preparing him. Lord, I pray you'd help all of us to be like Joseph. But Lord, help us to not be like the butler, who forget about those who are in bondage. We love you, Lord, in your precious name I pray. Amen.